You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action, talking all things Texas A&M, and we now know another name going to the NFL Draft. Plus, on top of all of that, we also have a better picture of what Texas A&M basketball could be this season. Plus, let's preview a little bit of the national championship since it is a national game. This episode of Lockdown Aggies is brought to you by Built Bar, where a candy bar meets a protein bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to save 20% off your next purchase. That promo code is LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. As always, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this a more quality-sounding podcast Monday through Friday, give me a follow, and I will add it into the mix. Secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12-man-related content found here on LOP. You can subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. So at the start of this offseason, a lot of people were wondering what was going to be the players who left for A&M. Naturally, you had your seniors, so Kellen Mond leaving, not that big of a shock. You have your up-and-comers, such as I would say Jared Hawker, such as Buddy Johnson, such as uh, I'd even throw in Dan Moore. You have all these names probably leaving. Then, of course, Javon Osmond's already gone. And then Elijah Blades was supposed to be gone, but now he's going to return. And then Anthony Hines is gone. But Jaden Peavy was the name that everyone thought would leave. And when he left, Bobby Brown would be the incumbent on the defensive line. That would make him the full-time starter. That would make him the big name on campus. That would make him the superstar. Instead, because of the fifth-year option, now you will see Peavy back in the locker room for College Station, but you won't see Bobby Brown. Brown officially has declared for the 2021 NFL Draft, opting out after his junior year. With the Capital One Bowl in the books, A&M will be looking forward towards the next season. However, they will be doing it without their junior defensive tackle. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I, I usually do because of, you know, it's a good segment, but this is long. Just Brown thanked the organization. He thanked the 12th man. He thanked Coach E for giving him an opportunity. He said he could not wait for this Mississippi boy to have an opportunity to play Texas football. It was a great shot. Everyone knows we can bring, but now it's time for him to move on. The 6'4", 325-pound defender was a first-team All-SEC selection by both the Associated Press and the league's coaches. He finished with 22 tackles on the year, 7-point tackles for losses, and was tied for the team's sacks in 5.5. Actually, he led the team in sacks with 5.5. He did this while facing a ton of double teams by the guard and the center up the middle. He was in line for having a sack in one of each of the final six games of the regular season. Um, He also was a preseason All-SEC picked up by the teams. He was a four-star Texas from Lamar out in Arlington back in 2018. He had committed to play for Kevin Sumlin. However, when Jimbo Fisher got there, he was able to continue his journey and allow him to actually stay. He made an impact as an all-freshman SEC member, seeing action with 14 tackles and one tackle for loss. Last year, he kind of played a middle-time role, not full-time, 
uh, when he was playing alongside of uh, Justin Matabike. Him and Peavy kind of worked in together. This was one of those names that is a little concerning. Not concerning in the sense of, oh, you know, we can't replace the production because of, guess what? You saw that with McKinley Jackson. And McKinley Jackson's great. Another Mississippi product, four-star talent that, in my opinion, deserves to be a starter next year. You also have Dallas Walker on the defensive line. You also have Isaiah Rakes that we have seen very little of. So it's not like replacing his production is going to be tough, especially with a guy like DeMarvin Leal who can play a little bit of both defensive end and defensive tackle depending on what you're looking for. The question is, where does Brown land on this NFL draft? A pure talent alone, an upside, I would put him as probably a mid-round pick. Somewhere in the third or fourth round. That's where I think his full is floor it uh ceiling is now he's not going to have an Aaron Hansford showing he's not going to have a Kellen Mond showing at the senior bowl because he didn't graduate he's also not going to have a resurgence from other members of the organization like I would say maybe a Buddy Johnson did his numbers were good but they weren't standout however when facing an all SEC team like you did week in and week out You don't have those breakout games against weaker opponents. Every team is a pretty strong opponent, which makes you a little bit more susceptible to becoming an early draft selection. I wonder what his game plan will be. Because if you look at what happened with Justin Matabike, he went to a 3-4 system and eventually worked his way into a starting role as a defensive end. But he also has not been effective as a pass rusher on that defensive line. He's just been very good against the run. Does Brown do the same thing? At 325 pounds, you can make an argument that he could play a nose tackle if he goes to a 3-4 system, or he can play a great 1 or 3 tech should he go to a base 4-3. You look at the production, you look at everything that he's kind of shown over the last two years, there's definitely an upswing for him. And I don't have a single doubt in my mind that anyone out there would not even come close to considering him for a starting role. He's definitely been one of those players who with AM has been more successful than without. The question is, if he were to stay one more year, what would his draft stock have been? You always wonder this with these guys who kind of declare early and you wonder with names like Kendrick Rogers and Courtney Davis and all these other names who left last year. It's great that, you know, you decided this is my time to go. I get that, but Davis wasn't drafted. I think he's on a practice squad right now. Rodgers is not in the NFL at all. Matabike is, and it panned off for him. And Braden Mann was a senior. That's who got drafted. I mean, Dowdy Renfro, you watch him. He's not on a practice squad. So I wonder if they would have came back this year, one, would A&M have been more successful in the passing game with Kellen Mond? And with that, it boosted Mon's status as possibly a Tier 2 quarterback. Then you look at what it would have done in the overall SEC game. All these receivers return. Maybe they finish still 8-1, and one, but that win over Alabama's closer, or that loss to Alabama's closer, so it's by 7, and maybe that gets them in the college football playoff conversation. That actually puts them in. 
And then once they're in, you look at what happened to Notre Dame, you look at what happened with, you know, Clemson. You could make an argument that uh, while Ohio State is deserving of being there because they're playing in the dang national championship, so is Texas A&M. That's the argument. Brown, wish him the best. Hope he has a good career in the NFL. You look at the defensive lines that have come out uh, with guys like Kingsley Kiki and Matty BK, of course, and a few others. There's always been kind of an up and down flux. I mean, Daylon Mack was supposed to be a great guy at the next level, and he's fizzled. You look at Kiki, he's done a great job playing a middle tier role for the Green Bay Packers. Matabike is going to be a starter full time, I think, next season in Baltimore. So I think Brown kind of fits right in that middle. And depending on what happens with the NFL Combine, if the NFL Combine were to happen this year, Brown might be in a great spot to raise his draft stock and prove that he is a top 100 talent in this year's draft class. The college football season is coming to a close tonight when Alabama takes on the likes of Ohio State. But the NFL playoffs are still around, plus we have all games covered in the NBA and college basketball. That means bets are going to be at an all-time high, and there's one place that has you covered and one place we trust. That's betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action as the betonline.ag crew has the games of the week from college football, college basketball, NBA, NHL, and of course the NFL playoffs with up-to-date lines giving you the best line every single day. Go visit betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Visit our good friends and executive partners on social media at betonline.ag to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbooks experts. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Thank God 2020 is over. And though 2021 has not started off on the best note, there still is a lot of time for things to turn around. And that means putting more money in your pocket. To do so, you're going to want to listen to the Locked on Bets show with your boy Q and Paramount Sports betting expert Lee Sterling. They give you the best lines, the best games of the week, and will put money in your pocket on a daily basis. Go subscribe to wherever you get your iTunes or iPod listening systems. So let's talk Texas A&M basketball. We know that the SEC is pretty much a wide open net in a nutshell when you break it down past Kentucky. That's always kind of been the storyline in the SEC too. One year you see a team on the rise and the next year they fizzle out. Then you start seeing teams kind of play in the middle and somehow start getting in the conversation for the NCAA tournament. That's the case when you look at Texas A&M basketball. Buzz Williams was supposed to be brought here to College Station to bring a different type of culture to the basketball program that Billy Kennedy never could. Overall, you look at the way the team plays, it is better. Doesn't say it gets winning results, but it is better. The Aggies traveled to Columbia earlier this past week to take on the likes of South Carolina, and it did not go in their favor, losing to the Gamecocks on the road. However, they were able to have a chance to put up big-time points against the likes of number 9 Tennessee when they visited Arena Arena. While the Volunteers hung around for most of the afternoon with the Aggies, it wasn't enough for A&M to pick up the victory, dropping their second straight game and falling to 68-54. Big-time game for the Volunteers, especially Tennessee guard Santiago Vescovi, who worked around all throughout practice trying to make sure that he could thread the needle into the hoop. 
He scored a career-high 23 points, including six three-pointers on the way to a volunteer victory. Senior Savion Flag was the Aggies' only saving grace in the first half, scoring three consecutive three-pointers to pull the Aggies within six. He finished the day three for 21 um, with um, on the field, so it actually was his only three points of the game. Quinton Jackson and Andre Gordon both were able to come in in the second half, uh, in the uh, second half, uh, making each a three-pointer overall. You know, kind of very similar stats. Uh, Flag finished with 12 points on the game. Jackson finished with 11. Gordon finished with 9. So, what does this say about the Aggies basketball team? Honestly, not a lot. It more so says that Tennessee is going to be right up there with Kentucky for a shot at the SEC title this year. That's all it really does. They converted 58% of their shots and limited the Aggies to 12 points inside the paint. It really says more about how good of a defense that Rick Barnes has put together. The Aggies did their part, and they actually got better at shooting in the three-point range. They got better at shooting uh, at the three-throw line, and they got better at rebounding, something that they could not do against the Volunteers. They were able to really put this game kind of away at moments, and it just kind of felt lost at you know, times when you really think about it. Overall, you have to think of how the game went. It was 37 to 30 at the break. Tennessee opened up the seven, uh, second half on a 7 0 run. The deficit was less than nine points the rest of the way. The Aggies only shot five of 17 in the second half, and they also committed 10 turnovers. It just pretty much shows that they're still rebuilding. And with the turnovers, that can come anywhere from Defensive rebounds, I can come anywhere from steals, I can come anywhere from overall just shoddy play. And that's kind of the case. AM is not there yet. They could be very soon, but it all starts to have to happen by playing against weaker opponents. So let's just look at the SEC as a whole when you break it down, you know, pound for pound. Alabama right now is 4-0 and in SEC play, while Kentucky is 3-0. and South Carolina is 1-0, and Tennessee is 3-1. After that, you have a 1-3 Texas A&M team, a 1-2 Ole Miss team, a 1-2 Missouri team, an 0-3 Georgia team, an 0-3 Vanderbilt team, an 0-4 Auburn team. That's how the season goes. Auburn 6-6, Vanderbilt's 4-5. Georgia is 7-3, all three of their losses coming to SEC opponents. A&M is 6-4, Ole Miss is 6-4. Both losses for the Missouri Tigers are at uh, both SEC games. Arkansas and Florida both are two and two, with one of them, with each of them having at least one loss outside of the conference. That's who you got to beat. Those are teams you have to beat. Those six you have to beat. I would even throw probably LSU and Mississippi State kind of in the conversation. I don't really know what Ben Howland's team has done this year. I know that Will Wade's team has been very inconsistent at times. They're having a great year right now. They beat AM earlier this year, 75, uh, 77 to 54. But now comes a stretch to where you have to start winning games. Missouri is ranked. They're ranked top 15. That could be a struggle. But they do play Mississippi State uh, on Wednesday night before going over to the weekend. After that, they kind of have a stretch of games where they can really pick up some wins. Vanderbilt should be a win. Ole Miss should be a win. Uh, LSU definitely should be a win after they, you know, was close and you see that home court advantage does matter. Then you have Kansas State, Vanderbilt again, Arkansas, that should be a close game. UGA, got to get that win. Florida, close game. Alabama, let's pump the brakes on Alabama. Maybe they're good, maybe they're not. 
We still really don't know. Arkansas again, close game. Kentucky, Missouri, Mississippi State close out the year. The season's not lost because if you rank 11th in the SEC. And a game against Tennessee is kind of predictable when you think about it. Everyone knows that Tennessee is really good at basketball. And this is the best recruiting class they've had in over a decade. And Rick Barnes is a dang good coach. That's kind of how I look at it. They have one loss on the year in SEC play. And they may only have a few more when the year's done. They have a very good shot of ranking inside the top five getting into the SEC uh, playoff, uh, the SEC tournament as a number one seed and eventually fighting their way into probably, if not a number one seed for the actual tournament, let's just say a top three seed. So there's no, no reason to sit here and go, oh, well, A&M, you know, got butt whooped by Tennessee. It's a difference. It really is. When we're talking Tennessee football, if A&M gets butt whooped by them, that's a problem. A&M basketball getting butt whipped by Tennessee? No. A&M's still trying to figure out their rhythm under Buzz Williams. It takes years. People always want to give up on coaches and give up on players a year into the process because they don't have it all. It takes time. There's a handful of rookie basketball players who are immediate superstars. And one of them was Donovan Mitchell who was drafted 13th. We can't just sit here and go, oh, well, Emmanuel Miller averaging 17.2 points a game is the only option. No, he's the best option, but there's more options. Let's not take this into consideration about being in panic mode for AM basketball because that they lost to a top 10 team. When they start losing to an 0-4 Auburn, or when they start losing to an 0-3 Georgia, now there's some concern on the future of the organization. This episode of Locked on Aggies has been brought to you by Bilt Bar. You know the Bilt Bar code of the past, 12 delicious flavors, now including six new ones like Cherry Barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Apple Almond Crisp, and of course, Caramel Brownie. The bars are great because they're soft and easy to chew, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. So it's more so like you're eating a candy bar than a protein bar. They're great for the health-conscious guy because they can help you lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. That's because the bars are low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, and perfect for the people on the keto diet. Every single morning when I wake up, I have a peanut butter uh, peanut butter bar, and it has 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. You're not going to find a product like this on the shelves. And when you go visit BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON to save 20% off your next purchase. That promo code is locked on for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Stop eating the salty sweets and enjoy a treat that will meet your needs. Built Bar from BuiltBar.com. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast listening systems. Tomorrow's show, we'll start breaking down a little bit more position by position what we can expect for the 2021 roster. Now that it feels like there is a bit of leniency with the actual opt-outs. We know who's coming back. We know who's leaving the team and where to go from here. Before we do any of that, college football still has one final game left on the year. It is the granddaddy of them all. And I know that this is going to sound a little condescending, but I always like this game because of I am an Alabama alum, even though I do cover Texas A&M for a living. So it's kind of nice that I get to actually root for a team, even though I would rather see my team that I'm covering there because then I get to go. And that's kind of like the biggest thing of all. But Alabama will take on the likes of Ohio State tonight. 
in the Miami uh, Gardens, uh, Hard Rock Stadium, whatever you want to call it, in the National Championship for the 2021 year. They will feature an offense with three Heisman finalists in Mac Jones, Najee Harris, and of course the Heisman Trophy winner himself, Devonta Smith. There is a very good shot that Jalen Waddell, the star slot receiver, will also be returning from his torn ACL that he suffered back in week three, I want to say it was. Yeah, I think it was right after Alabama played uh, Texas A&M. Ohio State, who was considered a controversial pick when added as the number four team in the college football playoff, was able to do, take care of business in the All-State Sugar Bowl against Trevor Lawrence and the Clemson Tigers. Justin Fields with a six-touchdown performance, zero turnovers, great overall showing from this defensive unit, great showing from the offense with Chris Sermon, great showing from wide receivers like Chris Olave. This is a game that I think a lot of people are going to be sleeping on. The intention is for everyone to go look at Alabama and go, yeah, okay, this is definitely going to be in our favor. I would not say that so fast. Sermon is great after contact. You also have Alave, which is the biggest thing people aren't paying attention to. Chris Alave is likely going to jump into first round conversation because of what he can do as a wide receiver as the second or third option. This is a team that relies so heavily on Alave being their go-to guy that they have to step up. Watch the game with Justin Fields in the Big Ten Championship. Watch last week, or two weeks ago, when it was Alave against Clemson. The difference, Alave didn't play in the Big Ten Championship. So for Alabama, it's very simple. Take away Alave, force Justin Fields to have other options, he'll probably win the game. On the flip side, trust the run game. Honestly, this is one of those secondaries that at any given moment can pick off the best quarterbacks in all of college football, they also can give up a ton of yardage after the catch. Sean Wade might be the most, I don't even know what to put into words for him because if he's just so up and down with his career. At one point, he was a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. He looked to be the next big name and in coverage. And then he kind of stunk it up on the outside. He's very good in the slot, which means it would be a nightmare for Jalen Waddle playing pretty much on one healthy leg to return and possibly, you know, have this rebound. But on the opposite side, Wade came out and said, I want to go up against the Heisman Trophy winner. Well, now you have your shot to really make it interesting. Alabama is known for coming big in these games. They've lost two, but they've only lost to Clemson when they come down to the um, what's it called? When they come down to the the national championship. However, in 2014, Alabama suffered their first loss in the first ever college football playoff. That was to Ohio State, who would go on to win the national championship over Oregon a week later. This is the first time since that matchup that these two will see each other once again. I believe that this could be one of the better games we've seen. Because you have a high-tempo offense with Fields running the show, and you have a conservative offense that can break out at any single moment with three potential first-round receivers in Smith, Waddle returning, and in a few years, John Mechie. For me, this is an easy pick, and this should be an easy pick for all SEC fans. You go with the SEC team. Every single time that we have this conversation about who is the best conference, everyone always leans SEC, SEC. But then they lose in the national championship, so then, oh, the ACC now has a conversation. No, they don't. 
They have one team. They have Clemson. They may have North Carolina in the rise. They might have Miami slowly coming back. Right now, they have one team. The the Big Ten? One team. I like Indiana. Indiana is where my, my dad went to college. I'm a huge Indiana you know fan for the alum. But they're not at the same level as Ole Miss. Proven, because Ole Miss beat them in the Outback Bowl. They're not at the same level as probably even Mississippi State. There's so much more potential for those two than there is for Tom Allen's team. You look at, I would go with next after that, um, Minnesota? What are they? Michigan? Don't make me laugh. It's Ohio State and bust. Where the Big, you know, where the Big Ten has one team and the ACC has one team, the SEC has four, has five, has seven. So even though you may not like Alabama because Alabama has Texas A&M's number, Every single time the SEC gets a winner in the national championship, it's another win to prove to the rest of the country we are better. It's a win for AM because it goes, hey, we faced off against better competition. Hey, it's a win for AM because of our recruits are better than yours. Our team, pound for pound, likely beats your team. And if anything else, it just shows we lost to one team. AM will go down with one loss on the year. Hopefully, it's to the national champions. Final prediction from me. I'm going to go 37 to... Th- uh, let's go 28. 37-28 in favor of the Crimson Tide. Nick Saban ties Bear Bryant all-time for wins in national titles. That's going to do for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast here on iTunes and Spotify. Give us a shout-out. Give us a follow. And let us know what you want to hear in the future on tomorrow's show. Let's start breaking down the quarterback position. What each quarterback brings to the table for 2021. I'll see you then. And remember, dig in y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies. Presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.